0: Let's get into the word today. I wanted to um, real quickly give you a why and and a little bit about what I want to share with you today. And and, uh, because probably maybe five times or six since I've been pastoring, um, have I ever taken a a straight message or a set of messages and just done them again? And, uh, and part of that is because I was raised in such a way uh, in the church that, you know, we're, we're Pentecostal, we're spirit-filled, so we get fresh messages from God, and, and God gives that, and, and, uh, and you don't want to deal with the old. You want to keep moving forward. And, and so I, I've, I've never really, I mean, I've done it. I'm not going to say I haven't done it because I have done it, but I don't do it very often. And, and uh, so I'm working on this uh, message series, which is going to be awesome if I can ever get the okay to preach it um, from God, I, I guess, because every time I get ready to preach it, something else comes up. And, and that series is, is called Pagah. And you're like, that's a dumb name for a series. Actually, it's not. It's a great name for a series because Paga is the Hebrew word for intercession in the Old Testament. And so there's all of these things that that word means that relate to us in our prayer life and can be really encouraging to us in our prayer life and and that kind of thing. So I've been working on that with the full intention of starting that today. And I've even been telling a few people about that. We're getting ready to start that and, and all that. But so a couple weeks ago, I uh, I really I felt strongly compelled. And again, I, I'm careful these days to say that God said this because you know there's a lot of stuff going on today. But I really felt just compelled or urged. To, to preach about the Holy Spirit and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. And so I started looking into that a little bit, and then I, I came across a series I preached a few years ago, and, and I was looking at that, and I'm like, well, okay, so we're going to try to come up with a new thing on that. And the more I looked at it, the more I'm like, that's exactly, it's exactly what needs to be said. But then I, I kept kind of arguing with God and going, but I already did this. And And I don't want to do it again, and I got this brand new thing I've been working on. God, don't you know how awesome what I'm working on is and 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 it was kind of like, yeah, it is awesome, it's not that it's not, and when it comes it's going to be amazing, but it kept going back and forth and I'm like, okay, I'll do it." and then I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to do this new thing and and then David preached last week and and uh I, I don't know if you if if you guys caught it, but there was some really amazing content in his message last week and and uh that was kind of like the, the kick in my face to be like, see, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, because what he was saying last week really is what I've been feeling for the last few weeks. And, and so still Sunday night, I was still kind of arguing back and forth, so I texted Josh. And I'm like, okay, Josh, give me some wisdom here. Here's what I'm thinking. I feel like I should do this, but I really want to do this. And I'm expecting him to go, no, don't do that, that thing what do this other do do what you want and he texts me back and he's like no you better do you better do this other thing so what what i'm starting today is and i talked to a few other people as well and and they all said the same thing essentially so I, i want to begin a series today called more and and it's about the importance of the holy spirit okay in, in our church right now, we, we have a very strong focus on prayer and discipleship, and that focus is not going to change. Um, that, that's that's where we're headed. That's why we're starting a, a men's group, the ladies' group, the, the Wednesday group, and, and uh, CR is a huge part of that because basically what they are is a really awesome discipleship group kind of under the guise of 12 steps. It's just amazing. So so all of that, it's like, okay, discipleship, 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 prayer, 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 discipleship. So if you want to know what's going on in the church, it's either prayer or discipleship. That's what we're doing. And, and so when we talk about that, a lot of us are going through this book, and I actually had a conversation a couple weeks ago uh, with somebody, and it's like, well, you know, it's easy to get into discipleship, discipleship, but if you forget the Holy Spirit, then you're in trouble. And, and the trouble is in that some churches – you, you can have a strong focus on discipleship and the word and, and living for God, but you leave out the Holy Spirit, and then you're dead and dry. And then on the other side of it, people go, well, I don't need anything, just the Holy Spirit, and he'll just speak to me through the angels and, and the visions and the dreams and all of that kind of stuff, and I don't really need the word. And the problem with that is on one side you get dead and dry, and on the other side you get flaky. And so, so you, have to, you have to have both of these things. And I, what I want to point out today and for the next few weeks is that this is exactly what God has laid out for us. He said, I'm going to give you really two things. And so I'm going to give you this at the outset of the message today. He, he's really given us two things. And he said, I've given you my word so that this Word can be the the lamp unto your feet and the light into your path. It can guide you. But then I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring the Word alive in you, and and, and He will speak to you, and He will speak through dreams and visions and, and, and prophetic words and all those kind of things. But at the same time, those things have to be filtered through the Word of God so that we have a pure flow so that when the Spirit is moving, we know that it is the Spirit that is moving. And so what I want to talk about is our need, and we're Pentecostals, so this is sort of a core message for us, right? Our need for, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that we can't just be just a word church, and we can't just be a spirit church. We have to be a spirit and word church. And if we become a spirit and word church, then we become unstoppable. We become something the enemy can't touch, we, we become the, the miracle church. We become, what is it, the house, what was the song? The house of miracles. That, that we become, listen, I know there are those, and, and, and they're my brothers and my sisters, and I love them, and I'm not going to argue with them about these sort of things, but But as long as you believe in Jesus and he's the only way to heaven and that's it, then then we can fellowship. But they say that all of that ended when the apostles died or when the word was done, that all that stuff went away. And the problem with that is I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. And when they say, well, it's right here in 1 Corinthians 13, see, it says when, when everything is made perfect that we won't need that anymore. And I say, are we perfect? If you can look around this church, maybe I'm just in the wrong church. Maybe I need to go to that church. Because in that church, everybody's perfect. And let's say, well, it's not the perfect in that sense. It's, it's perfect that we got the canon of the Word of God. And when the canon of the Word of God came together, then God doesn't do uh, prophetic anymore or that kind of thing. And I say, show me that in the Word. It's not in there. Well, this verse, if you look at this and you look at that and you put it together with this, and it's like, but it doesn't say that. In Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching and he said, they said, "What, what is this all about? And he said, this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and your children's children, to all who are far off, to anybody that our Lord our God will call, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. Now, the thing is, even in that, we, we, we get into, well, do we get the Holy Spirit when we get saved? Or is there a second work of the Holy Spirit where well, we get filled? And we can have differences there, too. And I'm not going to break fellowship with my brothers and sisters over it. But as we go through this series, I want to point out pretty clearly in the Scripture, there's a second work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That when you receive the Holy Spirit or when you receive salvation, when you accept Christ into your life, when he forgives you of your sin, the Holy Spirit, in fact, the Holy Spirit is working in you before you do that. Because some folks will say, well, when I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit. No, you didn't. The Holy Spirit was already working on you or you wouldn't have got saved in the first place. But when we get saved, and we're going to talk about this as we go through, when we get saved, Then the Holy Spirit begins working in our life. But clearly in Scripture, there's a second work that we get filled with the Holy Spirit that we receive a greater power. Part of our men's group and our ladies group, that one of our verses we've been memorizing is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the power that we receive is to be a witness for Jesus. So we have the Spirit, and we have the Word. We have the Spirit, we have discipleship. We have the Spirit, the Word that brings us growth in our life and maturity, and then we pass that on to the next person that we come along with, and that gets put into them too, and then they grow, and then they pass it on. That's how the whole thing is supposed to work. But the the trouble with that is I think sometimes it's not working out very well. Because, because we, have, we have something missing. And so I, w- I want to look at Mar- uh, Mar- uh, Mark chapter 16. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you my bottom line for this. Again, it feels weird because this is just exactly what I said three years ago. But here we go. Fulfilled commission flows from a spirit-filled Christian. Fulfilled commission flows from a spirit-filled Christian. What do I mean by the commission? Well, there's really, there's two main ones. Uh, You know, there are some other commissions in Scripture, but there's kind of two main ones. One's in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and one is here in Matthew chapter 16. And I want to take a look at this one, although we're going to reference Matthew 28 here in just a second. So Mark 16 says this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, what I want to say to you this morning is this commission that he gave his disciples is as much a commission to you as it has been to anybody, including the disciples. This is for you today, for you. No, that's for you, pastor. You're the pastor. That's your commission. No, it's not my commission, actually. I'm part of that commission, but my commission is to equip you so that you can go out and you can do this. Ephesians 4, another memory verse from the discipleship group. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So my ministry, not that, I don't, not that I don't witness or share my faith, but my ministry is to equip you for ministry. Right? My ministry is to edify you and equip you so that you can do the thing, so that you can go out and fulfill this commission. Okay? We, I can't go on today without making this point that the commission that we have is for all of us. Say the commission is for me. See, now you said it, now you're responsible for it. Because we want to go, the commission is for Josh. Oh, Lord, bless him and send him out to the harvest field. But when Jesus told him to pray for them to go on the harvest, he said, pray therefore that the Lord would send workers out into the harvest. And he said, go therefore. Pray that they would go and then go. Be the answer to your own prayer. Sometimes people are like, I pray and God never answers my prayer. I got a prayer, I guarantee God's going to answer if you pray and say, Lord, send workers into the harvest, and then you go, you just become the answer to your own prayer. It's a good deal. You can, you can every single day you can have answered prayer. How many of you would love to have an answered prayer every day? That would be pretty good. Wake up every morning and say, Lord, send workers out into the harvest, and then go out and be a worker in the harvest. And then you end the day going, God, thank you that you answered my prayer again today. It's good stuff. It's a good faith builder. Okay? The commission is for you. The commission is for me. So he said, go into all the world. Now, the world is big, so this is a sizable commission. This commission is not about the Refuge Church. This commission is not about this service that we're having today. It's not not about a Sunday morning. It's not about a live stream. It's not about a worship service. It's about making disciples in the entire world, and we are responsible for it. That's a pretty big deal. Verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow. Everybody say will follow. The signs follow those who are going after the commission. The signs don't follow those that just want to see signs. I don't understand why we never see God do stuff. Well, maybe it's because we're not about his business. Right? You know, Bill Gates has a lot of money. And people go, I wish Bill Gates would give me a bunch of money. Well, you're not working for him. If you were working for him, he'd probably give you money. But if you're not working for him, why would he give you money? God says these signs will follow. They will follow those who believe, and those who believe will respond. Because the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the gifts that we get so excited about, they're not for us. They're not for us. They're to be a witness for them God works in us and through us for them okay so he says these signs will follow those who believe in my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly will by no means hurt them now let me just throw in there if you take up serpents and drink deadly things because of that you're stupid that's not what he's talking about He's talking about a divine protection. When, those, when you're going out and doing his work, he will take care of you. And that nothing is going to happen to you that's going to be outside of his purview because you are following after him. What about the martyrs? He's taking care of them. Yeah, but they died. Okay, yeah, but then they immediately are in the presence of him. So do you think they're worried about any of this? I, I was talking to Pastor Trevor yesterday, and we were talking about you know, if, if, if everything just went to hell in a handbasket and all these different things, there could be nuclear war and wars and all this kind of stuff. And I said, listen, here's the thing. If Kim Jong-un launched a nuclear bomb at us, I, I hope that missile hits me right in the forehead. Because we were talking about how, you know, at the government, they got the underground bunkers and they can live and they got years worth of food down there. And I said, why would I want that? I said, if, if, if that's going to happen, I'd rather the thing hit me right in the forehead and take me out because I'll be with God in an instant. I don't want to be down here in the middle of this mess. So when God says this thing, he's saying, I'm going I'm, I'm to protect you when you're inside of what I'm wanting you to do. And you're not going to come to the end of what you're doing if you're doing it for me until I say that it's time for you to be done. Okay? That's not my message, but I need to throw it in there. Because everybody's like, oh, you Pentecostals, you just want to handle the snakes, and you want to do all that stuff. And it's like, no, you know, that's, come on. Sorry about that. That was a little sidetracked there. Okay. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, And confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. Now, one little quick other side note, and we're going to blast right through this. I want you to notice in there, because in the church, we do a thing that is unscriptural. We always say, it's just the Lord. It's just the Lord. When God does something through us or in us or in our church, we go, well, it was just the Lord. Listen, it wasn't just the Lord. Oh, well, we don't want to take any glory. I'm not talking about taking any glory. But when you say it's just the Lord, if the Lord was there, you've heard me say this before. If the Lord would have done the thing that he did through you, if it was him, he would have done it better than you. When somebody says, wow, your message was really good this morning, Pastor. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. It was just the Lord. No, if Jesus was here, I promise it would be better than me. But what I want you to notice that it says in there, and this is really important. It says the Lord was working with them as they were obedient to his call. The Lord worked with them because if it was just the Lord, he didn't need them. Right? If it was just the Lord, why would I need the 12 disciples? We need to stop with the it's just the Lord thing because it's not just the Lord. The word of God says that we're co-laborers with Christ in his harvest, that he works in me and through me to do his work. So ultimately, it's all because of what he's doing, but he's working in me to do that. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know why Paul said that? Because we say, well, just follow Jesus. Okay, good. I can't see Jesus, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. I can't see him. I'd love to follow him, but I can't see him. Where's he at? Right? If we say follow JP, I could follow JP all over the place because I could see him. He goes over there, I can go over there. He goes over there, I can go because I can see him, but I can't see Jesus. Now, some of you hyper-spirituals right now are getting irritated with me because I'm being very unrespective of the Holy Spirit. But listen, I'm not at all because what I'm trying to tell you is that God wants to work through us. And when we put it all off and say, well, if God wants to do it, he'll just do it, it's a cop-out because we're not stepping into the commission that he's called us to. So we have to realize he has called us. He's given us a commission. In Matthew 28, he told the disciples, go and make disciples. You do it, and I'll work through you. In Mark 16, he says, go and preach the gospel to the nations, and as you go, I will work through you to do it. So ultimately, he's the one doing the work, but he has to have someone to do it through. The reason I'm Hammering on this is because the harvest does not happen if the people do not go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God as a sharp sword in our hands. Okay? And so I want to talk about this commission a little bit. If you happen to have your notes, you can get them, I think, back there. Or go online, trc3.org, click on the notes tab. The first thing here is the commission and the chasm. Because here's the problem. When I talk about this stuff, God wants to use you to save, to deliver, and to heal. He wants to use you. Everybody say he wants to use me. To save, to deliver, and to heal. He wants to do that. And then we come to church and we sing the songs. We're going we're gonna to go forth and prepare the way of the Lord. Right? Woo! His favor is upon me. I'm going to go do it. And then we walk out of here and we're faced with what we're faced with in the world out here. And there's a giant chasm between what we read in the scripture that we're supposed to be doing and what seems to work out in our lives at all. See? And so there, there's, a, there's a, the commission and there's the chasm. There's a thing in between it. And when I look at Mark 16, 15 to 20, I see the commission and I see the chasm. Because if you read Mark 16, 15 through 20, what do you see? Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel. He's ascended into heaven. And then when he ascends into heaven, they just went out and they did it. And there was miracles and they cast out devils and spoken tongues and all that kind of stuff. And what are we left with? Now, if you heard this before, you know where I'm going with this. What are we left with? We are left with thinking that Jesus ascended to heaven and they just walked down and started doing miracles. And if that's the case, then we're in trouble. Because at that point, they were no different than any of us. They're just sitting there looking at him going into heaven, and he's going, go into the whole world and preach the gospel. And they're going, okay, good. So if all we have is Mark 16, then what are we left with? We're supposed to go out and do something that we're completely unable to do. It's impossible. How many of you, I'm not talking about through God. I'm talking about you, 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 you little nobody just like me right? Just another person, just another man, just another woman. How many of you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover? I'm not talking about it with the Holy Spirit or with the Word of God. Just you. How many of you can just speak other languages? Just, just do it. You didn't have training. You didn't have anything. You just do it. You're just walking along one day and you start speaking Chinese. We can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. How many of you could just be like, I'm going to do a miracle? Bring me some water. I'm going to turn this water into wine. Boop. There it is. How many of you can do that? Nobody. None of us can do that. And if you only look at Mark 16, what you're left with is thinking that that's what happened. So they must have been super hyper disciples and spiritual, and they had something I don't have, and yet I'm called to go do something I can't do. And woe is me. What am I I ever going to do? If you're in your notes there, I want to point this out to you. There's kind of a twofold thing I want to hit on here, real quick, is that we've been called and command, actually, we've been commanded to live holy set apart lives to Christ. We have been called and commanded, not suggested, I don't care what the latest preacher says, we've been called and commanded to live holy lives, set apart. This is part of what David was saying last week. that really grabbed me, is the anointing means to be set apart. That anointing is somebody that's set apart for a work. We've been called to be set apart. When they look at the church, they're not supposed to see the world, and yet most of the world looks at the church, and all they see is that we look just like them. In fact, a lot of times we look worse than them. You know my little bar thing? You, you can get more love and acceptance. I noticed that the Goonies opened up in the captain's cabin. It's opened up again over there. I was like, dang it. I thought that was, I thought that, well, anyway. Oh, well. But I bet sometimes you can go there and you can get more love and acceptance there than you'll ever get in any of the churches in this town. When they look at the church, there's supposed to be so, something different. They're supposed to see people that are set apart for something. There's supposed to be people that live holy lives. And I'm not talking about this hyper fake holiness where we have to wear the right clothes and, and, and the ladies can't wear makeup and, 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 and the men have to have their hair cut right and, and the ladies have to have their hair in a bun and dresses to the floor. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff that is, that is outward. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with those things except when those things become the outward show of something that's not happening on the inside. What happens on the outside is supposed to be something that flows from what's going on on the inside. And a lot of times in the church, what we've done is we put on the outside fronts of what we call holiness, but really it's just legalism. And on the inside, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, sometimes we're whitewashed sepulchres. Right? So he wants us to have a real holiness, a joyful holiness. A lot of times when we think of holiness, we're like, oh, holiness, I I can't do anything fun, and I just got to sit around, and I can't, I just, there's no no life in this. It's no, It's a joyful holiness. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a joyful holiness that's supposed to just flow out of us. But the problem is sometimes that commission for us to live that way, there's a giant chasm between that and where we really are. Or is that just me? I mean, I want to be holy. But sometimes my brain gets me to say stupid things and to do stupid things and look at stupid things. To go stupid places. Right? I want this. I'm going to live holy. Twink. Twink. And then what do we do? Oh, Lord, I'm a worthless, no good, dirty bum. I'm, I'm, I'm no different. You can't work in me. You'll never save me. I'm, the, I'm just worthless, oh, God. I'm a worm. Is there something missing? Maybe. No, so, so not only have we been called to live holy lives, but we've been called to take the message that transformed us to the entire world. The whole world. How many of you feel equipped to take on the whole world today? I'm mostly just trying to take on. That's good, Ron. I'm mostly just trying to take on this message this morning. I'm mostly just trying to take on that guitar thing. I totally flubbed at the beginning of the second song today. I practiced that thing all day yesterday, and then boom! I hit the wrong string. It's like, well, that's great. If I can't, you know, you, you're not. That's not true. I know you noticed because it was horrible. If I can't even hit the right string, how am I going to take on the world for Jesus? If you're in your notes, since Christ walked on the earth, he has commissioned his disciples to take the baton from earlier generations and advance the gospel of Christ further than the last one. We've been called to go further than Billy Graham. Oh, man. I could figure out to hit the right string, but man, Billy Graham, thousands of people. We've been called to go to the entire world. So whether you're speaking of holiness, personally, or the call to go to the entire world, is there not a chasm sometimes between what we see and what we're actually experiencing and walking in? There's got to be something missing. There has to be something missing there. And now, now, if you, we're going to talk about it in a second, but I want to just... Talk about who Jesus was talking to when he said this in Mark 16. Because I want to make you feel better. It's been a little heavy so far. I want to make you feel better. Because who was he talking to when he said that? He's talking to Peter that had just denied him three times. Peter that tried to chop off the servant's head. No, it was his ear. You think he was swinging for his ear? Peter's stupider than we thought if you thought he was swinging a sword at his ear He was swinging for his head, and he missed it just like I missed that string. Peter's the one that said, I'll never deny you. You'll never go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He's the number one that he was speaking to. He's speaking to James and John, who he called the sons of thunder. I love in the day that we're living in, we think sons of thunder is this great thing. There's motorcycle clubs called the Sons of Thunder, Christian motorcycle clubs, and, and I've seen several bands over the years called the Sons of Thunder. When he called them the Sons of Thunder, it was not a compliment because they wanted to call fire down and kill all the people in the city. And he's like, I'm not really here to kill all the people. I'm, kind, I'm, I'm here to try to save them. Lord, you want us to call fire down and kill them all? No. I don't want you to do that. He's talking to, to, well, he wasn't talking to you then, but one of those 12 was Judas. You talked about a messed up church. Judas sold out the leader of the church, had him killed, and then he committed suicide because he felt guilty about it. I, that would be on the front page of US888 tomorrow if that were to happen in a church. He's talking to Matthew, who loved and worked for the Romans because he got a lot of money, and then he was talking to Simon the Zealot who wanted to kill all the Romans. You got the liberals and you got the conservatives. And Jesus is like, all of you, come follow me. When Jesus is arrested... Now, I know you all know this, but I'm trying to lay a thing here real quick. When Jesus was arrested, they all left him. You're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You're going to be spirit-filled, fire believers. And then when the first trouble came up, they all ran for the hills. And yet he pulls them all back together. After all of that, he pulls them all back together, except for Judas, because he's hanging over there on the cliff with his guts hanging out. And he says, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to do miracles. I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to lay hands on the sick. I want to see them recover. I want to see you baptize them. I want to see you set this world on fire with the message that I give you to preach, the kingdom of God. That should make us feel better. Because I think sometimes we put these apostles up on this little pedestal there. Like, oh, if I could be like Peter, I'm a, I'm a lot like Peter. Sometimes I listen to Jesus, and sometimes I deny him right to his face. Sometimes I live right, and sometimes I'm just angry and don't care about anything that's going on. I don't give a rip about anybody, anything, any, anywhere, just like Peter. So I am like the disciples. Sometimes I look at the news, and I want to call fire down from heaven and kill them all. So I'm just like James and John. I was talking about the church folks there. You all thought I was talking about those people. No, those people too. I'd kill them all, God! You sort them out. Sometimes I deny Jesus when I should be standing for Him. Sometimes I keep my mouth shut when I ought to be saying something. Sometimes I'm saying something when I ought to be keeping my mouth shut. I'm just like the disciples. So what is it that happened between Mark 16 and when we get to Acts chapter 2? I mean, are we, are we hopeless? I don't think so. Because Jesus already anticipated this. It, it, one of the things I want you to grab today, if you don't remember all, because you're only going to remember about 5% of what I say anyway. Remember this part of it. Jesus anticipated their failures. Jesus knew that they weren't going to be doing it right. He knew they were going to deny him. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew Peter was going to mess it up. He knew all of that stuff, and yet you back up before Jesus even died, and you go to John 14, 15, and he gave them a path forward. He gave them a path forward. So if you look in John 14, 15, and I want to read this one verse because this is how we read the Bible. We only read one verse. In John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. So he's, he's telling them, look, the most important thing is love. I know you're going to mess up. I know that things are going to go wrong. I know, I, know, I, I know it all. I, I know what you're going to do. I know what's going on in your brain. But first of all, I just want you to love me. And if you love me, I want you to just do what I ask you to do. Right? That, that's, just, that's kind of the whole spiel. That's the whole of Jesus. If you're gonna follow, if you to want to follow Jesus, well, I don't know. What do I do? Love him and do what he asks you to do. Because if you do what he asks you to do, you're showing your love for him. Well, that's well. Now I'm just gonna work real hard. So I'm gonna to go to church 65 times a week, and I'm gonna read my Bible for 10 hours a day, and I'm gonna pray for the other 14 hours a day. Then I'm going to try to weasel in some more hours than 24 so I can tell someone about Jesus. Because I want to prove that I love Jesus. And then what happens there? Guilt, shame, condemnation, failure. I'm worthless. I'm no good. God can't use me because I didn't read my Bible right today. I didn't pray right today. I didn't go to church right today. I didn't tell anybody about Jesus today. I didn't do, I didn't do anything right today, so God can't love me. Listen, first of all, he already knew all of that mess you were going to do. He already knew it. So he says to his disciples, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And that's where we leave it off all the time as we say, okay, I, I want to show you that I love you, Jesus, so I'm going to just do what you said. But then we end up crashing and burning, crashing and burning, crashing and burning. We we probably, uh, Stephanie sent me a TikTok yesterday, and the guy was talking about, he was relating Jesus and the disciples to the Avengers. And he's like, I read this story, and and there was a superhero, and and he was doing all this stuff, and then, and then, Then his disciples were going to go out and they were kind of like the Avengers and and they went out but then they they killed the guy. He said I sure would like for somebody to tell me what happened there because they killed the guy. It seems like you know that story could have went on. And and the guy in this thing I know I'm not saying it very well but he closed his Bible and he didn't read it and I texted Stephanie back I said he should have read on a little bit because they killed him but then he came back again. Jesus knew that you were going to fail him. He knew your shortcomings. He knew all of that. But he also knew that what he was going to do was going to overcome all of that. What he wants to do in you, listen to me, church, listen to me, wake up. Because I'm not playing. What he wants to do in you, he already knew you were going to be a failure, and he's already set you up to overcome all of that. But we have to do it his way. We can't do it our way. So if we read on a little bit from 15 and we get out of our condemnation because I'm not loving him enough and I'm not obeying his commandments enough, we will read verse 16 where he says this. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So the part number two here real quickly is the commission and the counselor. We have the commission and the chasm. We know what we're supposed to do, but we can't do it. But I want you to know you can't do it because you need the counselor inside of you leading you into it. And without him, you can't do any of this. You can't do any of it. And so he says, listen, I'm I'm giving you this command that I want you to love me and obey what I'm telling you to do, but I know you can't do it, so I'm going to ask the Father to send somebody back to help you. And a lot of the church today is living their lives, their walk with God, not relying on the Holy Spirit and then wondering why they're in the cycle of guilt and condemnation and and feeling good and feeling bad and I'm discouraged and I'm anxious and then here I feel good and then over there I feel like I'm going to die and all this kind of stuff. And it's like sometimes it's just because we're missing the ingredient that Jesus promised us. And it's not a little thing. This is not just another little sermon because I don't have anything else to say. Because I do have other things to say. But I know that in the church what I see is we got people still stuck in the same anxieties from 10 years ago. in the same sins from 15 years ago. And the same struggles in their marriage. And the same struggles with their family. And with their kids. And with their jobs. And their money. And all of that. And, you, and it's like sometimes it's just as simple as saying you need the Holy Spirit in you, leading you, and guiding you. Because the chasm that's between you and what you're supposed to be is filled when the Holy Spirit comes into your life in a new way. And so we have to have that Holy Spirit. So that word there, uh, for the comforter there, the counselor, and and what I read you is the advocate. But depending on your translation, it's the advocate or the comforter or the counselor. He says, he will never leave you. He will never leave you. Okay, so here's the, here's the cool thing, is that if you look at these words, and I'll do this real quick, uh, this word is the word parakletos. A lot of you already know that, the Paraclete In, in Greek, the word paraklete is advocate, comforter, counselor. And I want to key in on counselor here for this message today. Because when there's a chasm between what God wants for you and where you are at, you go to the Holy Spirit and say, can you please help me to get there? And the Holy Spirit says, yes, I will. But the thing is, when he tells you what to do and where to go, you have to follow him. So we, we can't buffet our faith in God. Oh, I want to walk with God. Holy Spirit, I need your help. And then he says, well, I want you to do this. And you go, well, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like it. I, I'm, I'm mad at my wife today, so by golly, I'm not going to do it. I'm mad at them church people today, so I'm not going to do it. Wednesday, Thursday, we had like really epic meetings here. I mean, to me at least, the prayer was amazing. The worship was awesome. Friday morning, I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do nothing. It's like you need to get out of this bed and you need to go read the word. I don't want to. You need to get out of this bed and you need to go read the word. I'm not feeling like it today, God. It's like The reason you don't feel like it is because you won't get up and do it. Because as soon as you get up and do it, I'll put the want to in you. So Jesus says, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit. He's going to counsel. He's going to tell you. In your notes there, before Christ endured the cross, arose from the grave, ascended to the Father, re- revealed an impossible commission. He promised a divine counselor, which is the Holy Spirit. And actually, the promise wasn't really from Jesus. It was from the Father himself. In Luke 24:49. he says, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, there's the missing ingredient. So we're a couple minutes from this message being done, so please tune into this right here. That's the missing. In Mark 16, what you don't see is that between his ascension into heaven and them going into the world, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs and wonders, they went to Jerusalem and they waited for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Now, I want to tell you, no matter what Pastor Bubba or Apostle John or or Evangelist Billy Baba says to you, it has not changed. If you want to be used of God, you got to get along with God and you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I got to speak in tongues? Listen, I didn't say speak in tongues, did I? I said you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, didn't I receive the Holy Spirit when I got saved? Yes, you did. But there is a second work, the empowering, where the disciples not already saved when He told them to go, and wait for the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into this more in depth later. But people are like, "Well, it was different when the apostles were here." No, it wasn't. He breathed on them and said, "You're clean because of the word that I've put in you." They were already saved. They were already being launched into the commission of God. And he said, don't do anything until you go and you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power, you will be able to do all sorts of things you did not know you could do. In fact, you couldn't do without him. See, the difference in Luke 24, 49 and anything that happened, because we have to put ourselves back there in the storyline, right, when the apostles were on the earth here. And when the apostles were on the earth, when Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, that was like a revolutionary thought. Today it's second. Today we don't even care. Today we don't even think about it. We don't even think it's awesome anymore that we can have the Holy Spirit living in us. We've lost the awe of what it means to have the Holy Spirit in us. And when Jesus was saying these things to them, that had never happened before. Because before that, the Holy Spirit would come on the prophet or on the priest, or on the king, and they would say what God said to do, and then the people would follow whatever the prophet said to do. But Jesus says, look, when, I, when the Holy Spirit comes, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I'll pour out my spirit on the men servants and the maidservants. What? We don't get blown away by that, but I promise you the disciples were blown away by that because it didn't work that way. They had John the Baptists, and they had Elijahs, and and they had Jeremiah's and Isaiah's. They didn't have. Hey, you want to do this? You could do it too. You want to prophesy? You can prophesy too. You, you want you want to be used of God? You can be used of God too. You want you want to you want to do great things? You could do great things too. Well, I'm not a prophet. You don't have to be a prophet. You just have to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And to realize that that now is in you it's in me he not it he is in me and he is in you or he can be in you if you will allow him to come okay he can't see this is the thing we have the ability to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet so many times we squander our life away because we don't realize what we have access to. I, I was reading a book. I think I may have actually posted this yesterday. and it wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit necessarily, but it said if you were given to the keys, the keys to the vault at the bank to take whatever you want and you walked in there and you only came out with a few cents, whose fault is that? That's not the bank's fault. That's your fault because you were given access to the riches. And so often in the church, we've been given access to the Holy Spirit moving and working in us and through us and healing us and and healing our families and healing our lives and, and, and giving us the ability to live holy, separate lives and giving us the ability to go into the world and preach the gospel. And yet we walk out with pittance of what we could have because we don't seek it. Jesus said, "Look, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to do these things." There were no qualifications to that. You you could do this, but you you, you came from a bad family line. So pfft. You, you you could be used of God, but but you were abused when you were younger. You could be used of God, but but your marriage is not good you, 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 you've not been a good employee you've, you know, your teacher thought you were stupid it's for you your children, your children's children to anyone that God will call he says I send the promise of my father upon you so I, I want to end with this with this week um, because I know that it's time to end but listen it, the last thing in your notes is this we have to have the Holy Spirit we need him, everybody say I need him You need him. Even if you don't think you need him, you need him. But the spirit of God does not come into us because we need him. I just said something powerful there and I'm not sure if anybody grabbed it because it's late and we all go eat ham for lunch or something. The spirit does not come because we need him. Oh, you're being unbiblical. That's heresy. Listen, really? Okay. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what did they do? They went and they waited until the Holy Spirit came upon them. I bet there's a whole bunch of people that heard Jesus preach along the way that just went out and they were like, well, if God wanted to do it, he'd just do it. So I don't need to go. But there were were these crazy people that went up in the upper room and they waited and said, he told us to wait until we receive this to pray, and to worship, and to fellowship, and to, to seek him, and we're just going to wait. No, you know, everybody's like, we got to get out in the world, and we got to save the world. Can you imagine if they'd come to Peter in the upper room and say, Peter, we got to get going. We got to get about the business. We got to get to the streets. We got to do all this. And Peter's like, no, I'm just going to sit right here. Jesus said to go into the world, Peter. I'm just going to sit right here. You go into the world, and they go into the world and have no effect. Peter sits there, and he waits, and he waits, and he seeks, and he prays, and he he says, this is what Jesus said, so I'm putting my life on this, and I'm sitting right here until I get the power of God in me, and then I'll go out into the world. And when the Holy Spirit came, he spoke just a few words, and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ just like that. And just a short while later, it says 5,000 came. And then it says daily we're being added to the church. Listen, I'm going to say something, and I hope it convicts you to the core because it convicts me to my core. The standard of the, the, the church is that daily are being added to the church, those who are being saved. And I can't point, I don't think, to a church in this county that could say daily there are people coming into the kingdom. Daily we're discipling discipling new believers. Daily we're sending new people out in the power of the Holy Spirit. If that doesn't convict us, it should. Because we've been called to transform this community. See, this is not one of those cool little, ooh, let's talk about the, the Holy Spirit and let's get some little goosebumpies and let's pray and we'll fall on the floor. Listen, this is war. And we're out trying to fight a war with, with styrofoam swords and wondering why we're getting our tails handed to us. The Holy Spirit does not come because we need him. The Holy Spirit comes because we seek him. And then we put it all aside and we say, I, I, I'm not going to move forward, I'm not going to preach, I'm not going to sing, I'm not going to do anything until I get into your presence, God, and I receive your power in me. And when I receive your power in me, I can do in a moment what it took me years to try to do on my own. So we think, well, I don't know if it's worth my time to, to seek the Holy Spirit like that, to seek, to seek God like that. I don't know if it's worth my time. Listen, what happens when you sharpen an axe is you cut down a tree, and half the time it would have took you if you wouldn't have sharpened it. We have to quit trying to run around, trying to save the world, and trying to live for Jesus in and of our own power. And sometimes we just need to set aside some time and say, Lord, I'm just here, and I'm just going to seek you, and I'm going to try, I'm, I'm, like Jacob, I'm just going to hold on to your leg. Too long in the Pentecostal church, and then we're going to pray. Too long in the Pentecostal church, and we thought this Holy Spirit was just a sideshow. Oh, God, give me a cool prophetic word so everybody will think I'm awesome. Give me a dream. Give me a vision. Oh, God, when I touch somebody, let them shake and yell and fall on the floor, and it's been a sideshow. But listen, we're not living in sideshow days anymore. We're living in the days when we have to have the Holy Spirit flowing out of us in power. And we need to seek him. We need to seek him as a church. We need to seek him corporately, but we also need to seek him individually in our own lives. To say, God, I'm going to get up and give the first part of my day to you just to say, empower me for this day. Or if you can't do that, Finish your night by going and just getting before God and saying, God, empower me so that when I wake up tomorrow that I'll be ready to go and I'll be ready to hear your voice and I'll be ready to speak your words and I'll be ready to do whatever it is that you want me to do. And I'll do it with power and I'll do it with authority, not because of me but because of you in me, you working with me in me. Now, I know this is heavy this morning, but listen, as believers right now, we are getting our tails handed to us. We ought to be the ones standing up in the world saying this is the way to go. And we ought to be able to back that up with power and authority. But much of the church is not doing that. I don't believe right here at the refuge we're doing that. Now, listen, we've had some amazing prayer meetings. I think we've taken some ground in the last few weeks. But we've taken this much ground when there's counties and states and territories and nations for us to affect. There's people in this room that need healing. There's people out there that you're around every day that need healing. And we're all we're all wrapped up in ourselves. It's like open our eyes and see the harvest field. It's ripe. So I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to seek, The empowering of the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, I got filled with the Holy Spirit 25 years ago. I don't give two poops about the fact that you were filled with the Holy Spirit 25 years ago. Good for that. But you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. In Ephesians, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word for be filled is a reoccurring event. The actual literal, it's not good grammar, but the actual literal translation of that verse is be being filled with the Holy Spirit. All the time I should be being filled. Why? Because what I'm going to face today is not what I faced 25 years ago. Last thing. Have you noticed that the way the church has to operate today is not like it's ever been before? So do we think, Ten years ago's worth of anointings is going to help us to walk in what we're dealing with today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, church. We need it. We need it. But he's not going to come because we need him. He's going to come because we seek him. Amen? So I want to encourage you this week. Seek him. Fast. Pray. Seek him. Because if we do. Now listen, I, I realize this message has been a little bit heavy today. But it's heavy for a purpose because I wanted to end with encouragement that if we will seek him, he will fill us and he will use us to do great exploits for his kingdom. I just don't want to see myself or us fall short of what it is that we could have walked in because we did not seek him. You say, well, how do I seek him? It's just faith. Do I have to speak in tongues? Don't worry about speaking in tongues. Seek him. Will you speak in tongues? Probably. I don't know if I want to do that. Do you want to be empowered or do you want to be dignified? I sound funny when I talk like that. Do you want God to work in you or do you not? You can have your dignity or you can have God. But in all of that, don't worry about whether you speak in tongues or not, because you're not seeking tongues. You're seeking the Holy Spirit. And whatever he does with that, you let him do. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to live a holy life. All of a sudden, you'll be advancing the gospel. All of a sudden, things in your job will start to spin around. All of a sudden, you'll start praying for things, and you'll get answers like you've never got answers before. Now, is it all going to be perfect? No, because we're living in a a warfare world. But listen, we have to have the Holy Spirit, and we need to seek him. Amen? Father, I pray, before I pray, I just want to say this, too. Uh, This message series is going to build. So every week is probably going to end in an oddball spot because there's a whole lot more to say. It's like there's a a long message and I just have to cut it at certain points. So we're going to be building on this for the next few weeks. So please don't miss that because this is like just the appetizer of the thing and then we're going to be more practical in the weeks coming up. So please, please be here. So if it's ending in like a weird spot, like why is he ending now? That's why. Because we still have a lot more to say. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for the worship. Um, I thank you for everyone that's in this room right now uh, that has come out to worship you today and uh, I just pray that by your spirit you would put in us a desire for your spirit and uh, that we would begin to seek you uh, in in ways that we never have and I look around this room and I've seen people that have passionately sought you and have fasted and prayed and and gone after you and 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 obeyed you and loved you and all of that. But, Lord, I think that the days that we're living in, we have to move up to just a different level. So I pray that you would show us what that is because we can get all legalistic about it, and that defeats the point. So I just pray that you would lead us and you would show us what it is that you want from us. How do you want us to wait? How do you want us to seek? More than that, God, I pray that you would just fill us Lord, I pray for those that have been filled with the Spirit for many years, that there will be a fresh touch in, in this season of our lives. That there will be a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that, that sometimes like me, I, I was filled long ago, and I, don't, and I don't really focus in that I need a fresh touch and I get complacent. Lord, I pray that you would convict my complacency so that I would seek you, because I can't do this without you. And I know that we can't do this without you. We can't impact our jobs or our our marriages or our parenthood or our church or our community or any of those things. We cannot impact those things without your Holy Spirit living in us and through us, empowering your word in us. So I pray a fresh touch for those that have have had that experience before. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone in this room that's never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that that in this season, these next few weeks, that you would fill them up. That when the enemy wants to come in and lie and, and say that's some weird thing or whatever, Lord, that you would just drive the enemy out and that you would just come and fill us with your power, with your anointing, with your love, with your counsel, with your comfort, and that we would walk in the power and the authority of your Spirit and your word. And in that place that we would impact Coos County and that it would begin with our families and that we would impact the county and the state and the region and the nation. And I also, I just ask as we're closing, Lord, you would put that vision in us that we, so often we can get the mindset that that we're not going to ever impact anything. What could we do? What could I do? What could our church do? But Lord, you took 12 men and that's why we're here on the other side of the world today. So I pray you do that in us. As as we're leaving today, Lord, as always, I pray that you would, uh, for everyone that's here and watching live stream, that you bless them and keep them, you cause your face to shine on them, you lift up your countenance upon them, you would show them your favor and give them peace today and this week, and uh, lead and guide us by your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.